We haven't had baseball since June 12, 2021, and now it's back. I've got Gus and George with me to look back and look ahead. This is Dinger Derby. Welcome, Welcome. to Dinger Derby, the official podcast of RedRaiderDugout.com. The only website completely devoted to Texas Tech baseball. Join Keith Patrick twice a week for team news, guests, ranking updates, and game reports. We'll be hitting taters with the Red Raiders from opening weekend all the way through Omaha. This is Dinger Derby. Welcome in, my friends, to the Dinger Derby podcast, the official podcast of RedRaiderDugout.com. I'm your host, Keith Patrick. Glad to be here with you in this preview episode of the 2022 season. I'm joined, as I often am, by Dr. Mike Gustafson, president and CEO of the College Baseball Foundation. They run the College Baseball Hall of Fame and George Watson, who is the former sports editor of the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, longtime fixture in the Lubbock sports scene, big-time fan of Texas Tech Red Raider baseball, and also heavily involved in the College Baseball Foundation and the Hall of Fame as well. Boys, glad to have you with me, and we're just going to dive right in, fellas. It's been far too long, far too long of, a, of an offseason, not as short as we wanted it to be because the Red Raiders did not make it to Omaha last year, first Super Regional they've hosted that did not end up in a trip to Omaha, but still a fantastic season nonetheless, and I think that there was a lot of storylines and talk that came out in local media about what that 2021 season was. Of course, there was a lot of injuries, and now you've had a lot of guys move on, and we can talk a little bit about what they're up to as well, but maybe some just final thoughts. What's your overarching feeling of what last season was for the Red Raiders and and what it you know, says about this program, Tim Tadlock, whatever it is, as far as the situations from your point of view. I, you know, I, I think it's another successful season. Uh, obviously, in Tim's time here, Coach Tadlock's time here, the bar's been set really high, and uh, which is a great thing, a great problem to have. I think anytime you're hosting in the postseason, it's the mark of a pretty good season. The fact that last year's team was a national seed was impressive of course right they were right on that bubble with Stanford Stanford ended up you know coming here and and handling the deal but when you you know and and getting to Omaha and and being really really playing fantastic here and being a hot team at the right time and all that but I think when you think about just good programs over the course of time they're always in the thick of it they're always in the postseason they're always they're always able to take shots and and uh, have a chance, and that's right where the Red Raiders were last year. You know, and it, it's never really a bad thing to have a regional, host a regional with Army, North Carolina, UCLA here, brands like that, and then Stanford even the next weekend, and uh, to you know to handle those with great crowds and great weather and just a great scene. I mean, it's just a just a good thing for baseball fans around here, and uh, you know something we don't want everyone to take for granted, and um, you know cer- certainly. Everybody has the aspiration to get in Omaha and, and getting the big trophy, but uh, boy, that was a uh, a good team. And as you said, when you really think back and dig back into that season, you think about the injuries and and uh, you know I, I saw a highlight of something of either, may have been from the, the the regional 
and and Kurt Wilson was playing center field, and I thought well, that was weird, you know. But Dylan Carter had battled injuries, and he, you know, and I think he struggled with that shoulder all year. Noisy obviously was out from you know April on, and you just you know you go back and actually put eyes on that team in the postseason and think about who wasn't there that could have been Birdsell. Uh, very notably, Brustowski, very notably absent. Dobbins, you know, when you run through a pretty good list and, uh, you know, it kind of hurts, but I think that's also part of having a good program over a long period of time is just there's going to be years where things line up better than than others. Yeah, it, it's funny, you know, we, we said, you know, in 2014 after the first trip to Omaha, you know, that, that as fans we would never be disappointed with a season that ends in a Super Regional. But it's it's hard not to be disappointed with a season that ends in a super regional at home because that is like Gus says it's where the expectation has come in that you know if we're hosting a super regional in Lubbock Texas you can pretty much book a trip to Omaha because it hasn't had never not happened that way so so yeah it that one that one will sting for a while not only with I think fans but I think with these players that are coming back too that one's going to sting because. They were they were right there. They had you know had a great team to be able to do that, despite what Gus said, despite all the injuries that he mentioned. You know, noisy and 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 Birdsell and and you lost Becker at the beginning of the season and Dobbins and it was just on and on. May have been one of Tim's better coaching jobs just to be able to put that team together and be able to do, compete at that level uh, throughout the postseason. So. Yeah, it's you know, like I said, disappointing ending, but not a disappointing season. And I think maybe that it might be a a good motivating factor for a lot of these guys coming back, uh, coming into this season because you've got a lot of guys that have been through this war a couple, three years. A lot of them been through this war four or five years, and so they don't want to go out, uh, you know, with another twenty twenty one. They want to they want to have a twenty twenty two that ends in Omaha. And so that may be a motivating factor going for uh, going forward this year. Yeah, no doubt, and and that's kind of what I was getting at too, George. Where there was a lot of talk about it being Tim Tadlock's best coaching job since he's been at Texas Tech, and I think that both of what you're saying kind of plays together. You talk about becoming a program that lives at a high level year after year now and has under Tim Tadlock, and so there's the expectations, but you also, in that high level, have the opportunity to overcome what is really – and. Gus, you did a good job kind of lining yeah. them out, just a slew of injuries. And you remembered them happening, and there was also Drew nope. Baker missed yeah. some time early in the season. And then, as a reminder, uh, Cal Conley, who was Mr. Reliable for you all year, was throwing up on the field in the Super Regional. He was so sick. you know. So it just was one of those years that you dealt with it. Not that that's an excuse, but I think the fact that you accomplished what you did, considering all of that, speaks to – what how good this program is at this point. Totally agree. Wouldn't change a thing. I'm I'm glad you brought up Kyle because I was actually thinking about that this past weekend about you know how how graphic it is. Nobody wants to watch anybody throw up, but I mean we we looked out there at him standing behind the pitcher's mound or out there at shortstop and turning around and doing that. And you know, and it was it was a pretty and we knew that he'd been under the weather and like, well there it is right there. And uh, and we've all been that kind of sick in in a way that you know the illness and just being puny is no time being a super regional and remember it was it was ghastly hot uh super regional it was much hotter than it was yeah. for regional it was it was it was 2018 regional hot and and uh you know you can imagine how tough that was I and mean, he can't keep anything down he was probably dehydrated and weak and everything else 
Correct me if I'm wrong, though, Gus. Is in you know, Cal was sick during the Super Regional, but that's something that kind of run through the team the last you know that week leading into it. So there were a lot of the guys that were still, I think, maybe kind of feeling the effects of that going into the Super Regional. Yeah, I don't doubt it. And then and then they had a guy, you know, and, and Stanford had uh, their number two pitcher. You know that 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 was a real key because the whole idea was if their number one comes in here and controls this, you know, that first game that you can string out second game, get the W and then they really were going to get pitching thin and they just took it to us offensively both days, but especially the second day. And then their, their number two starter had a career day. I mean, we all, all three of us talked to parents and different people that were like, that was the best game of his life. And I'm sure it was just like we talk about Cam Smith throwing a three hit shutout to, to, finish off a regional and in, in uh, Coral Gables, that kid and that program will be able to say that same thing about what got them to Omaha in 2021. So let's wrap a, a bow on that last year's team. And, and then we'll look ahead a little bit here, but you had 10 guys go on to professional baseball. Uh, the next closest in the big 12 was UT. They had seven TCU had six out of the college world series teams. NC state had eight. And then Arizona, Tennessee, Vanderbilt had seven. So when you look at the level of talent, and some of it was injured talent that did go on and get drafted or sign deals, you were right there in the mix with some of the best in the country. And I'll, I'll just run down the list. Cal Conley, fourth-round pick to the Braves. Drew Baker, a fourth-round pick to the Rays. Braxton Fulford, who really increased his stock, not only over watching him four years, but certainly in the last two seasons, a sixth-round pick to the uh, Rockies. Mason Montgomery, sixth-round pick to the Rays. Ryan Sublette, who all, another guy that really increased his stock over the last season. Seventh-round pick to the Dodgers. Hunter Dobbins, who was injured, probably was your Friday night starter to start the season last year, didn't quite make it to get to play at all. Eighth-round pick to the Red Sox. Patrick Monteverdi obviously figured in big as a transfer. Eighth-round pick to the Marlins. And Dylan Noisy, he went in the 17th round of the Twins. Noisy, of course, went out with the back injury. And then Jacob Brustowski, who didn't get to play the season at all, had Tommy John as well. He signed as a free agent with the Brewers. So 10 guys go on to professional baseball, and that's really going to be a big part of our conversation tonight is who are we going to be seeing? Um, And Gus, I think a question's been asked of you, and we'll ask it again here in just a minute. But coming into the season, I think it's been a little bit different for fans to see what this looks like because you're used to seeing Texas Tech ranked in the top 10, all kinds of high expectations, and we saw them across the board. We saw them up in the top five from one publication and down, I think, in the 20s in another. And I think that the national media is showing with that that, hey, we don't know exactly what to make of this team because we only know two or three guys that are coming back and there's a lot of new faces and maybe more than we're used to, I think. So I think reload is still there from what we've seen, but that's kind of setting the stage for what we're walking into here. There's just quite a few unknowns. Yep, no no argument there. And I think you always, you know, when, when you go through that poll process, you look at who, who finished where. And, and, and certainly when you look at, at Texas as not only a preseason Big 12 number one pick choice to be number one, but also the national – you know, the national number one and, and early replay it and you go, all right, they one of the last four teams standing last year. More importantly, they got a ton back other than their Friday starter. They got closer back. They got weekend starters back. They got a ton of position players, a lot of experience, a lot of guys that were really good last year. And that's, uh, you know, and then when you contrast that with where the Red Raiders are, they're looking at, 
you know, really one guy that pitched. I mean, well, between the two of them, between Chase Hampton and Burtz, uh, you've got one weekend starter there on those two because Hampton more or less picked up where Burtz left off. You know, that two or three key key arms out of that rotation and key bullpen guys are gone. And then you look at the positions like, man, there's, you know, there's no Fulford for the first time in a long time. And there's, you know, a guy like Conley moving on, just, you know, there's just a lot of new pieces. And so anytime you're involved in that polling process, you're, you're looking for familiarity at the very, very, very top. And uh, certainly Texas has that and we don't, but I, I, I sure think that, you know, th- this thing's really teed up for, the way you started this podcast, which was, you know, guys with something to prove like Kurt Wilson, who's going to get a chance to play every day at shortstop. Uh, it, it certainly appears and, and uh, still well to again, be a middle of the line of bat and Easton Morrell to play in the corners on the infield and outfield and be in the lineup a lot. And, you know, we, we go through a, a list of key returners there and then add some talented new guys. And, and uh, I think by reputation, they're they're picked in that top twenty for sure, and uh, just because of based you know based on what Tim's done around here, like man they they just they keep finding a way. So I don't know who these new guys are, but we're gonna put them in there somewhere. And I think coming into the season, I, I sort of thought they would fall around the ten to twelve somewhere in there, and and uh, that seems to be sort of an average from where most of the polls have them, and that's not a bad place to be. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, let's, we're, I'm going to bring George in here real quick too and talk a little bit because we do have some poll news to share. At least you guys do from the College Baseball Foundation and the Hall of Fame side of things. George, tell us about what you guys got cooked up. Yeah, we, uh, we have developed the inaugural College Baseball Hall of Fame Power Poll. We've got a preseason poll that we came out with uh, last week. Just something that we, that we're trying to do to kind of, you know, continue to, promote the game and enhance the game from the college level. And, and we've got, we've got experts on this poll that are, that are uh, very knowledgeable in college baseball, both from a watching standpoint and from a playing standpoint, we've got some, some college baseball hall of famers on here who are, who are outstanding college baseball guys have been for a very, very long time. Uh, and, and we've got guys on here that, that have just been around the game and, and know the game. So we decided, you know what, you know, if, if there's, you know, if six are polls, if six polls are good, seven polls are better. You know, or eight polls are better, whatever. However many <laughs> there are out there. So, um, so yeah, and and our poll kind of has tech right there in the middle in the in the ten to twelve range. So, but no, we're excited about this poll. Uh, we'll be doing it all throughout the season. Uh, we'll be having we'll be voting on it uh, every week, and we'll come out with it every week. So, yeah, excited about that, uh, and 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 looking forward to to doing that and kind of getting that. Uh, helping us enhance uh, what the College Baseball Foundation, the College Baseball Hall of Fame, is all about. And I look at the other polls you mentioned them. It, it almost seems like you know, like this year's polls, they're kind of like Olympic figure skating. You can eliminate the highest one and the lowest <laughs> one, and average the rest of them. And they're right about there. So you can eliminate good. the four, you can eliminate the twenty-three, and then everybody else is right there in the middle. So. Yeah, and I saw there was a little bit of outcry on Twitter, I think, because that collegiate baseball newspaper had tech number four, and I think that's a lot of respect for the program. And, you know, then all of a sudden you pop into a 23, and y'all have to remind me who that was, maybe Baseball America. And I think that, again, it's just a, a lack of understanding about where things are, and that's hard for anybody to have. And we've sat between us in every scrimmage pretty much, and we are still going to be guessing one way or the other. And we always are, but there's just less knowns all the way through. So let's start there. And, and Gus, you've mentioned this, that you'd been asked that on local radio. I mean, outside of Jace Young, 
what's the other known on this team? And I think you mentioned it already. Yeah, I'll I'll make it quick because it's repeating what I said. But first of all, I thought, you know, it's a really good question. And I think the question might have been framed, and I don't remember if it was the entire roster or just the just the lineup for the off, you know, the the starting nine. I, I don't re- remember thinking of it in the context of a pitching staff, although it may apply, may very well apply. But I, my answer was Kurt Wilson at shortstop, and I think a lot of that had to do with just he was in the lineup a bunch last year, uh, around the month, the six weeks or so that he was injured. But what we've seen from day one of fall ball and all the way through the January and February scrimmages is him at shortstop and him being very good there. And so uh, I, I think that um, Kurt Wilson is is going to be right there, probably in the thick of this lineup and probably playing every day at shortstop. I mean, that that would be my bet as the, the next best bet. And that's probably not a bad thing when, when the next best bet to Jace Young is another guy in the middle of the field. Yeah, no doubt. And I mean, that's a guy that he's been around. He's one of those fifth year guys that George mentioned. And um, I think that fans probably know this, but Kurt Wilson's played every position on the field for the Red Raiders except catcher. Now we had a spirited conversation about whether or not he should get put in at catcher at some point just to go ahead and complete that. But um, it's quite the story. I mean, it's a guy that comes out of Arlington Martin as a right-handed pitcher and he was on a really good team there and, you know, has the physical attributes and then comes in and, you know, kind of leaves pitching behind and all of a sudden he's playing all over the field. And now here you are most likely from what we've seen an opening day shortstop for you as a fifth year senior. I mean, it's, it's pretty cool to see. No doubt. It's and, and when you think about him playing all these positions, it's not a tricked up deal. I mean, he's played all of these positions at you know, at points that mattered along the way. They weren't just throwing him out there at some point. He was, you know, he he's put on first base and mid. Like I mentioned, he was in the center field for the regional, as was about to play shortstop, played a ton in third and left last year. I mean, just re- really a versatile guy and and probably spent more time his first two years on the mound. Um, you know, but he, he can, and he, and he can pitch north of 95 when he's on the mound, uh, but you know, his bat has really, and it started with a question at Rudy's a couple of years ago, but you know, where, where he filled out the, he filled out the question card and said, when are you going to let Kurt Wilson hit? And they stuck him at Tim stuck him out there in a Tuesday game and he had a home run and then put him back out there and he went three for five. I was like, all right, we got to, you know, through Tim Tadlock style, we got to find a place for this guy to stand. And, and they really have, you know, since then he's been way more position guy than than pitcher, and they've completely stopped with the pitching the last couple of years. You know, no fall ball work and that kind of thing, or at least as far as I know. So, um, you know, he, he's uh, it's it's an impressive level of versatility, and if it if it finishes well, like it feels like it's going to, it's going to be quite a story. You know, it's it's funny, Keith. I was I was looking. I was actually watching some old highlights from 2019 from when Michigan came to Lubbock that weekend, you know, being that Michigan is the season opener on Friday for the Red Raiders. And I was just, I was looking through those highlights, how many guys are still on the team that played in the, in that series. You got a guy like Cody Masters that, that, that's still here. Um, and Kurt Wilson was actually pitching, actually pitched in relief in one of those games. So that just kind of tells you his versatility and how long he's been doing it here. So, I uh, agree with Gus, you know, that's right now. And, and that's because from our perspective, we're, we've seen them more than anybody else 
you know, other people might not know, you know, that Kurt Wilson is going to start at shortstop. Maybe not remember that he started the season opener at shortstop last year, and Cal was at third for like one game, and then they moved Cal back to short, and 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 the rest was history for that year. But you know, but you know, Kurt Wilson at shortstop, and and we've been he's been good from what we've seen out there. He's been good, and the bat has yep. been there. So that's that's a I think that's a question that's answered on a team that desperately needs to answer some questions in a hurry this season. To me, what I'd love to see for Kurt Wilson, when you just talk about the narrative, let's get past the the question at Rudy's to hero of the 2019 Super Regional, and let's see Kurt Wilson 2022 You know, write the next chapter. Yeah. And I think that yeah. that's the opportunity he's being given right now. Go write the next chapter of – uh, and I'm not saying that he's that kind of guy that's thinking about that stuff, but we do, you know, as we're trying to out here telling stories. And he uh, he has the chance to go write the next chapter in what has been a pretty cool story and a cool career. And and then, of course, I'm sure he has aspirations of the next level, and here's your opportunity to go earn it, kid. So I think that's pretty cool. So Jace Young, preseason everything, Big 12 Player of the Year. He's on the Golden Spikes list. He's on the Bregan list. I mean, to the point where he's hoofing it to first and – Tadlock pinch runs for him. He's like, we don't need the Big Twelve Player of the Year getting hurt on the last Sunday funny. of practice, you know. So, I think that we know that he's he's a known commodity. He's definitely projected in the top ten of the draft, and uh, you want to protect him and you want to you want to see what he can do. And it seems like it's all still there for him, and uh, he's grounded. But then, what's next? You know, let's let's move around the infield a little bit. I mean, let's talk about what we've seen in those corner infield spots and who we might end up seeing there, and some of them are probably going to be some new names. It's really hard to answer that question without going, all right, who's catching? And, and you know, the two the two guys that caught the most really throughout the year fall in into spring are Cole Stilwell, you know, the senior, and Hudson White, a talented freshman, a uh, good-looking good looking athlete behind the plate, a good-looking good athlete, period. You know, when you, when you Google him, you – you you get picture you get video of him playing quarterback in high school so not not a a dumpy catcher by any stretch of the imagination and uh but I, i'm sure hudson's not going to carry a heavy 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 load early in the season you know just to to keep from burying a freshman being a freshman's hard enough when that season starts stretching into games you know 40 and 50 and it's something you've never done before especially at a demanding position like catcher but and so i think those two will spell each other uh, a bunch, but I think that when Stillwell's not behind the plate, he could be involved over at first base, which is obviously where we saw him a ton last year. And if that's the case, then who moves where? You know, will Morrell play first some when Stillwell's behind the plate? You know, I mean, we we really start running through some possibilities. Morrell has worked a bunch at third last um the last few weeks and has looked good over there obviously parker kelly's still around as a super senior and parker appears to be that guy that's going to move around and be versatile defensively which we've seen him do throughout his career but the the I, you know the to, to me it all starts with where stillwell because it is stillwell could could just simply go from catcher to dh and and you know that may very well be the case too but um you know what does that do with cody masters so i'm i'm just you know, it, it's it's a hard thing to figure. I think we've got certain names that we can go. All right, that guy's going to be in the lineup somewhere, but it's hard to it's hard to place that. Morell is running around in the corner outfield as corner outfields as well. Um, Ty Coleman's obviously a transfer. 
um, a third, now fourth year player. I think he's got two years of eligibility left, but uh, a transfer from Texas A&M, a product of Midland. I'm going to say he's a product of Lubbock <laughs> just, just because of his dad and uncle and grandfather. Um, you know, his, his, uh, his dad was a year behind me at Monterey and actually was at Tech for a, a red shirt year. He had some knee problems and then transferred to Lubbock Christian and played, finished his career there, then coached at A&M, was the head coach at Lubbock High for a year, then was the head coach at Midland College for quite a while. His uncle, Steve, was the state player of the year, led Monterey to the state championship in 1981. And now he uh, he's bounced around, coached a friendship, Odessa Permian and whatnot, but he's now the been the head coach for oh, probably 20 years down at Hardin Simmons. And, you know, his, his grandfa- late grandfather, Ray, was a Lubbock police officer for years and years. And so it's a kid certainly with deep Lubbock roots. And so that that's a neat thing for me to see um, personally. But but Ty uh, only hit in the fall, didn't throw. Um, we were told that he was getting over doing some rehab on his throwing arm this January and February in these early scrimmages. The, the arm has looked better and he's been in a position to play defensively at third and has looked good. And, uh, you know, the, the offense should be there from him. Uh, he can hit. And so, uh, you know, two, two interesting pieces to add to Parker Kelly at third base. And, uh, and you know, it's hard to know if that's going to be a competition or is it just going to be a product of, are we facing a right-hander, left-hander, you know, who's moving where and doing what, but I, I think there's some capable guys there at third base. And Morrell factors in probably at first base as well. We've even seen Coleman play a little bit over there. You know, it's 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 a hard thing for me to really say. Here's the first baseman. Here's the third baseman. Right. Because I need I need to know where Stillwell's going to be. Well, and really the reason I mentioned I asked the question because I knew that as the three of us talk about this, we're going to talk about basically everybody. Because yeah, and you mentioned Morrell. You know, you got a lefty bat, and so maybe he factors in in a different way, or they want him in the lineup depending on the pitching and. Um, and then you got a guy in uh, in Brian Brome that we've seen yep. over there quite a bit, a five eleven, two hundred twenty five pound freshman out of Katy. And I didn't even mention um, you talked quite a bit about Ty Coleman, and he did transfer from A and M Midland League guy. He's five eight one ninety, officially a junior. It's his fourth year, first at Tech. Brian Brome, he's mm-hmm. lefty righty, Katy High School first year. He's a freshman, a bigger kid, but he's really shown, I think, shown some nice things offensively, and shown a, as far as a freshman can go, has shown a pretty good feel at first base as well. So, yep. yeah, it's just complicated. There's just a big mess of of dudes that are all kind of feeling their way around and seeing where they're going to fit. Yeah, and a DH is going to come out of there somewhere. And of course, we haven't even got to the outfielders, but you mentioned. I'm sorry, Gus. I know you mentioned it was Hudson White. Hudson, there you go. He's a five eleven, hundred ninety five pound freshman. Came out of Byron Nelson, and yeah, he's been very impressive in everything we've seen him do. And I think that for me, and I've said this to some folks, uh, local radio, things like that. To me, Hudson White's a guy that doesn't compare to Braxton Fulford freshman. I think he probably compares a little bit better to Braxton Fulford as a sophomore. You know, and yep. so coming in a little physically bigger, a little bit more maybe comfortable behind the plate. The arm is there. The bat is is a little ahead. And so, you know, a guy that you've seen all this time in Brax, you know, this is a guy that uh, that's coming in and and maybe not lake ready, as, as Coach Tadlock likes to say. And as you said, maybe not your everyday guy behind the plate, but a guy that's going to figure in for sure. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's catching a bunch down the stretch um, in a way that Braxton did as a freshman. You know, that by the time we got to postseason near the end of – in the con- round final exams, 
that he started catching a bunch and caught, I think, every inning of the postseason. Wouldn't be surprised if if um, that sort of thing lays out for him. Um, he, he's just – he feels like, to me, one of those guys that's a really good athlete that mm-hmm. is full of upside and just is, is going to get better. Now, he's going to deal with the challenges of being a freshman and that, that, that all freshmen do, especially at a position like that. But I think he's a talented – good athlete and you know uh, uh, just has has a chance to be a good player around here for a while george i want to loop you in too and and just let you kind of expand and tell us about a guy that we're not going to see behind the plate because kevin bazell transferred from uh dallas baptist and is or he was a dallas baptist commit he's a freshman 6'1 205 uh, out of rockwall and he will not be available this year but we've seen him quite a bit he is with the team he is able to practice all that kind of stuff so uh, tell us what you what you've thought of him as he's gone through yeah it, it, it's an interesting deal that you know he was at Dallas Baptist and was battling in the fall uh with former Red Raider uh, uh Nate Rombach uh for for the job there uh you know with, with the Patriots and by all accounts that we've heard everybody there at Dallas Baptist really like Nate well I mean we like Nate too here but, you know, they, they like Nate, and, and I think he kind of got the nod. So I think Kevin kind of saw the writing on the wall a little bit that that uh, playing time might be at, at a minimum at Dallas Baptist, and he ends up here. Now, he's like you said, he's not eligible to compete this year. He's got to sit out because he's a mid-semester transfer. So not like uh, Cal Conley was a couple year, or a, few, a few years ago uh, during the 2019 season. He was, he was here. He was able to be around the guys. He just wasn't eligible to play, so – yeah, we've seen a, a good bit of Kevin. Uh, strong kid uh, has, has got great power uh, to the gaps. Good discipline uh, receives the ball well behind the plate. Would not surprise me if you know, depending what happens with with Hudson White this year, uh, if he's not the uh, the the leader uh, behind the plate going into next season for the twenty twenty three season. Uh, but like you said, he's not uh, he, he's not eligible this year, so uh, we'll get to he'll get to sit and learn and and and. Uh, Kind of get a feel for uh, for what uh, you know for what this team is about, and he'll be part of a really good twenty twenty three class coming in. Well, and I'll mention what you guys talked about and and the comparison. And you mentioned Cal Conley. It's a guy that you sit there and watch, and you're like, "Dang, we got to wait a year for this guy." And I think it was the same <laughs> feeling with Conley because I mean, he obviously had skills. They didn't just show up when he started playing in games, and and this kid's the same way. I mean, he yeah. really brings a lot out there, and and uh, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, we saw him. We saw him stealing a little bit and doing quite a bit on the base pass too. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, he he looks like he's got a pretty well-rounded uh, game uh, offensively and defensively. Like I said, it looks like he receives the ball real well. Now, obviously, he's a freshman, just like everybody else. So he's going to have freshman growing pains. But it doesn't look like that the at least in scrimmages that we've seen and things like that that game speed uh, you know, to this point, what at least whatever whatever getting game speed you can simulate isn't isn't uh you know doesn't get to him uh it, it seems like it doesn't affect him that much so i'll be interested to see uh you know how he co- how he comes through this year and gets ready uh, for next year did we leave anybody out of the infield not that there's not plenty more of them to talk about you haven't talked about your boy uh loudon gus yeah <laughs> yeah loudon brooks and eric martinez are probably two two guys you know beyond parker kelly that can um be backups at a number of spots, um, and and Loudon is a you know came here with Cal Connolly's little brother, who who is you know actually another piece behind the plate, and 
you know, may very well catch some and as, as a third catcher and, uh, but both of those two kids out of the Cincinnati area up there, Northern Kentucky and, um, Southern Ohio and, and, uh, Loudon is a, you know, he, he really, I mean, if you saw the, the, the tech scrimmage against the, the Texas Rangers fall instructional team, you know, you saw Loudon get inserted into the game about halfway through. And of course they all, you know, everybody sort of subbed in and played, played a chunk. Cause that was a 12 inning scrimmage. If I remember correctly, but Loudon had three really good defensive plays. Now he may be a tick behind. He's certainly behind where Kurt Wilson is right now, but a good athlete. And Cal Conley has told me that, you know, Loudon was a really good high school basketball player too. And, you know, again, just another one of those things that gives you an indication of, of what they are athletically. And, uh, you know, defensively he can play, he's ready to go right now. The offense is probably a little bit behind, but, um, you know, where, where it'll be eventually as he just grows and gets stronger. But man, he, he, you know, and then he's been running around the last couple of weeks in center field and he's a good athlete out there. And for, for a guy that I would have guessed has probably spent a, a chunk of his lifetime in the infield because he's that good. I thought he got pretty good reads this weekend and, uh, you know, did some routine things and had a chance to run down some balls and really do some fantastic things that, uh, you know, I don't know how much time he's going to spend out there, but it's probably a mistake to say he's just a shortstop or he's just an infielder because he's a pretty good athlete. I'll be, you know, I suspect that this time next year uh, we'll be, we'll be counting on him in some way, you know, that he may, may very well have that shortstop spot as a, you know, as, as his to take, we, we shall see. But if the development's there, he's a he's a good athlete. So let's talk about and move to the outfield a little bit here. And and really, I think that the casual fan probably heard about three guys coming into this program, and it's really because of where they came from. Ty Coleman is one coming in from Texas A and M. Dalton Porter is another coming in from the University of Texas. He's a lefty, lefty, five eleven, one ninety five. He's a sophomore, originally out of Leander, and then. Um, the other is Cooper Swanson. He came in from Florida State, fifth year guy, six foot two oh five, originally a Florida guy, so left the home state to come out to Texas Tech, and you kind of got the one year opportunity here to really blow it up. And so we talked about Coleman. Let's talk about Porter and Cooper Swanson. What we've seen out of them? Whew. Mercy, these last, <laughs> yeah, these last couple weekends they were uh, the, certainly this last weekend they were. Boy, both those guys, you know, Cooper Cooper had a homer, triple and a double in one of the, I think it was last Friday's scrimmage. And in his last at bat, he hooks one over the third baseman's head, headed to the corner and the left fielder cuts it off. And he kind of hustled, doubles it into second. And all the dugout guys were laughing and yelling at him like, man, you got to stop it first. Use it for the cycle. You know, so that was the day he had. Um, you know, we've seen, you know, we've seen him hit some long, long home runs. There's big power there. Um, and you, you can go back to his numbers at Florida state in fairness. Um, and, and you see a bunch of strikeouts too, but you know, he, what, what I, what I think everybody's hoping for is that this guy gets the chance to just relax, change the scenery, get himself off to a good start as a veteran player and, uh, you know, really do some good things because he, he looks good getting off the bus. Uh, he had a drag bunt single against the Texas Rangers to lead off that game. We've also seen him hit home runs a long way. Uh, he's played mostly as a corner outfielder, but he's also played some center field. And, um, you know, he, he uh, you know, he is, 
I mean, what 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 do we have in him? Is he a career one ninety hitter, and that's what he's going to do here? Then it's it you know we don't have a game changer. Does he have game changer pop, double digit home runs, all that stuff? Absolutely. And so who 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 is the real who is the real Swanson? Uh, we will soon find out. And that's you know, and that's that's another reason why pollsters are going are they the eighteenth best team or the seventh best team because of guys like him, but. Uh, and, and Dalton Porter didn't play a ton last year at Texas, like a, like a lot of freshmen. Kind of sat and waited his turn. He's been been here uh, playing in some corner outfield, but has also run around in center field. Looked pretty good this past weekend. He had an inner squad where I, I I may have lost track, but I guess it's a good problem that I lost track between four or five stolen bases on Friday, uh, including a steal of home, a true steal of home. Uh, you know, a couple base hits just on base seems to really, you know, be a, I, he's not a big electric power guy, but I think he can really hit and play and, uh, you know, contact guy can bunt and just do some things run. So he, he's an interesting guy and, and probably factors in and left field. Um, you know, and, and those, those two are pretty notable transfers that if they're really good players around here, this team's got a chance to be, you know, uh, electric offensively. And if, if, uh, you know, and I, I know they can't recreate what they did this past weekend, but, um, you know, if they end up being steady contributors, man, that's a, it really adds some speed and power elements that make the, they're going to make this a really dynamic offense. What you got, George? Well, you know, the, the thing with, with Cooper Swanson and, and Gus hit it on the, hit it on the head. Is he going, is he going to be the career 195 hitter that he's been at Florida State? Or is he going to be something different because of the change change of scenery? And I think, in in a, in a lot of ways, you can lump about four four different guys at you know that have been here for a while in that same conversation. I think you can lump Kurt Wilson, Easton Morrell, Parker Kelly, and and Cody Masters because you know those guys have to this point have just been kind of either role players or they've kind of been bottom of the order type guys. They haven't really been middle of the order double-digit home run, over 300 hit and driving the offense kind of guys that you're going to need, that you're going to need somebody to, to to protect Jace or else guys are just going to pitch around him. So that's one of the big questions that I think that has to be answered is because from what we've seen, you know, you're going to lean on, you're going to count on Morrell, you're going to count on Wilson, you're going to count on Cooper Swanson, which I wouldn't have thought of you know, prior to this past weekend, I, I either Swanson or Porter, I didn't know, I didn't think they had shown enough to me to, you know, pop into the starting lineup. But after this last weekend, you know, right now I would start both of them out there. I would find a place for them to stand just like the, just like Tim likes to say, but I think it goes back to a bigger question in that. I think what last year showed, you know, last year's offense, if you look at the numbers, you know, compared to the rest of the Big 12, this is a very middle to bottom of the order offense, even with Jace's production, even with Cal's production, even with the little bit of a breakout that Stillwell had. It was still a team that only finished about sixth, maybe seventh in the conference last year. So I'm kind of wondering going into this year with all the unknowns that Tim has with this team, is he going to change his philosophy a little bit and maybe sacrifice some defense to get some offense out there because, you know, you know, we all love Parker Kelly. He's a great kid out there, you know, great defender. 
but a 195 average is kind of hole in the in in the offense that you really can't afford in this league. So there, you know, and, and even a, a 250 or a 260, you got to get the you got to get you know up close around 280, 290 uh, to be an effective hitter in this league. So will Tim stick some new guys out there that have shown more pop? And and maybe a little less defense just to be able to generate some offense at least early on in the season. I just don't know if if he's comfortable with that or if he or if he really wants to stick with you know the same guys that that he knows he can count on at least defensively and still play the pitching and defense game. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of what kind of offense, what kind of lineup he rolls out there on Friday. Is he going to go more offensive? Is he going to look for some more offense? Or is he gonna is, is he gonna stick with defense? That's that's kind of the first question I'm looking at. And then if he is, then you then you kind of start plugging in guys like Dalton Porter, uh, you know Cooper Swanson, uh, you know some, some guys that have shown some pop uh, in 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 the offense that in the scrimmages that we've seen. Yeah, for sure. And and you know you talk about Coach Sadlock's philosophy and and thinking about what's he going to be willing to do. And I think one thing that we've seen that he's willing to do over the years is a whole lot of experimentation early and Matt Gardner talked about it at the first pitch luncheon and you know talked about running lots of guys out there and kind of seeing what they've got and you know I think you saw that last year in this tournament that we're about to walk into this weekend in Arlington saw a lot of guys run out there saw him try a lot of different things and you talked about Kurt Wilson starting at shortstop and that was a surprise move last year um, as far as him doing that and you know, I think you're going to see a ton of dudes run through this year. And, and Gus, you posed a question to us Sunday. It's probably worth posing again here. <laughs> you know, th- this time last year, Brooks, my son, was was calling double digit home runs for Braxton, and he and he and he got that right, obviously. Um, but you know, I've wondered how, if if we had to throw it out there for just a, a fun little yes no bet. If, if you put a number, if you put it at three and a half over under three and a half, Texas Tech Red Raiders will finish the year with double digit home runs. What are you taking? You know, I, I think there's five guys with that kind of power. Now, are they all going to be in the lineup enough to get there? Are they going to have the healthy, you know, all those kind of things. Obviously, Jace is one. Swanson being another one. Wilson has that kind of power. Stillwell has that kind of power. And Masters has that kind of power for sure. Um, I'm not ready to throw that label on Hudson White. I bet he is before the end of his career. Um, you know, th- there's there's some dudes that can uh, that that can hit the baseball a long way, and if they get off the good starts and just get their you know get their get their sea legs. I mean, think about where we are with Masters. Go back and look at his 2019 stats. You know, the problem. You know, and I don't know if that's something that we can really point to as being a uh, uh, a result of the shoulder injury that he had three or four summers ago. Um, you know, that guy was a 280, 290 hitter, and uh, he had really, hadn't really been that since then, but there have been stretches of electric power. He had a ball at, off of TCU that I was up in the TV booth calling that game, and I could see we all we, – everybody saw it go over the monster, but what I could see from up there that high – was that it bounced and short hopped off of that engineering building out beyond center field? That's a that's a long, long mm-hmm. home run, and and uh, you know, and, and so Masters has that kind of pop and you know, big juice, and uh, um, you know, I, there's just you know, what is this team gonna? Are we really gonna have four or five guys with double digit home runs? It's it's not out of the question. 
that would be a mark of a bunch of guys having good years, certainly. Uh, but, you know, if, if you want to get in on some fun, play the over-under game on three-and-a-half guys being double-digit home run guys. I don't know what the bet is, but that's that's the thought at least. <laughs> well, and I think that an interesting thing with that and with some of the guys you mentioned that have that kind of power – <laughs> and you said it, you know, where are they playing? Yeah. And, I mean, and I think I agree with you with Cody Masters, but Cody Masters is going to have to fully lock down and stranglehold the DH spot to have a chance to do something like that. And I hope he does. I mean, I think that's fantastic. But that's the uh, that's the question, because you got a lot of new dudes here looking to make a mark, too. And and it's funny, George, when you mention those guys, you know, that list that you kind of rattled off earlier, every one of those guys has a massive, memorable offensive moment and defensive moment, you know, in this fan base's collective memory from their last several years, three, four, five years. Um, but you're right. I mean, they've been role players, and now the the question is, are they going to own a position fully all season long? Yeah, I mean that that's the big question. You know, I got nothing against Cody Masters. He's been a great player here. Uh, you know, the, the whole time he's been here, but. You Gus mentioned he's a you know two eighty two ninety hitter last year, but he's never been able to stick in the lineup. Yeah. Whether it's because of injury or because of lack of production, uh, you know Easton Morrell has kind of been a, a middle to bottom of the order kind of guy. Uh, you know, you know, so you know Kurt Wilson, I think is 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 most ready to kind of take that next step up, and I, and I think he'll get that shot. You know, starting in, at shortstop and and from the offense that that we've seen. But yeah, you're right. They've all had their moments, but they've never they've never had their season. And so that's what we need. I say we. That's what the fans. That's what tech. That's what Tim needs from them is for everybody to have to, to kind of finally put it together the way I think that that we're all confident they can. Yeah. I'm running down the list here, boys, and just making sure that we're not forgetting anybody. I definitely want to talk about Zach Vuletich still, yep. and um, and I think that, and not that we're we're not going to set the outfield. I mean, I definitely think Dalton Porter has made a case from what we've seen. I think Cooper Swanson has. You don't want to forget Dylan Carter in that mix. Now, the question is if the Hammy is fully healthy and all those kinds of things, because those can be nagging, and um, we'll just see what we see this weekend. I think with Carter and how much you see him. But Vuletic is a guy that's gotten a lot of time out there. I think he was a little bit more hot offensively in the fall than what we've seen in the spring, but uh, an interesting guy for sure. He's a Navarro College transfer, fourth year, 5'9", 185, originally out of San Antonio Brandeis. But the dude has massive quads, probably the biggest forearms in the Big 12. <laughs> and and I just like him, and I think that I, I want him to have a great season. We've seen him playing a little bit of right field, um, he definitely probably has a little bit of growth out there, you know, from a comfort level uh, still to go. But an interesting guy as far as a JUCO transfer that can hop out there. And y'all, you know, whether it's Vuletic or somebody that I've forgotten, let's let's wrap up these position players. Yep, and yeah, the I think the Dylan Carter, you know, where Dylan was two years ago was different than last year. And of course, fans will remember that he didn't he didn't even appear in a game until about I don't know maybe halfway into Big Twelve play. And uh, he, too, coming off a shoulder injury two summers ago. And so while he was certainly healthy and released to play, um, you know, it just he just didn't look like himself last year. And, uh, uh, you know, and the offense was a struggle. You could see that in his numbers. And so, uh, you know, obviously a proven commodity commodity defensively in center field where where he is in terms of his health right now at this moment is the question, because, as you said, he. He wasn't. He wasn't part of the picture this past weekend in the inner squads, and you never know. They may be 
being overly cautious uh, in a mm-hmm. situation like this this close to the season. But obviously a proven commodity there in the outfield, proven commodity defensively center field. Um, Vulatic has been more of a corner outfielder. Uh, he's played a little bit at third, but it see, feels like this fall he has slid back into mostly left field. And, uh, you know, he, he's going to be the ultimate uh, – the ultimate and um you know and and if he's hitting they're gonna find a place for him to stand or dh or something like that but um you know an interesting looking player and um you know owen owen washburn's another guy that's interesting a true freshman out of wisconsin son of jared washburn <clears throat> um, former big leaguer longtime big leaguer and owen actually started in right field in that scrimmage against the rangers and uh you know ha- has had stretches of productivity um, you know, just throughout, throughout the fall and into the spring. And so I think he's in, in the conversation as a corner outfielder. Again, we've probably seen him way more in right field. I don't think he's played any center field, probably a little bit in left, but, uh, you know, he's, he's another one that's, you know, if he gets off to a good start and he's hitting, he'll probably be out there all the time. But, uh, um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's it's a long list of candidates out there. I mean, it really is, and we probably haven't thrown Drew Reynolds in there enough yet. He's probably more right. of a first base and had him some at catcher, DH candidate, a, a little bit of a skill set and a body type similar to what Ryan Brom is in terms of left-handed hitter with some pop, freshman. Um, you know, we've seen him probably spend the most time at first base a little bit in right field, he and Brom as well, but those two guys are probably in, in similar spots of – you know, backup roles, and if they get a chance to play and get hot and get it going, who who knows what'll happen? But uh, they both have some pop for sure. Um, it's it's uh, you know, and and, and Morel Morel's the Morel we've seen play all four corner spots, and I'm saying left, right, third, first, and and uh, I think a lot of where he's involved and how much what he does may really obviously he himself needs to be productive, but I think, um, you know, what's happening around him. If the outfielders are all playing well and they're the hot group, then, then Morrell comes into the infield, you know, Morrell Morrell's at DH and, uh, you know, he didn't put up huge offensive numbers, but one thing he did really well was just as an on-base guy, the on-base percentage was good and, um, was, was in the top 10 in the big 12 and walks. And so, there is a place. Is he a leadoff guy? I don't know. He's, he's probably not the base stealing candidate, but he may be the on base guy. And at the very least, he may be a, a, a good productive option to have down at the bottom of the order. Um, you know, he, 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 he himself two weekends ago had a home run and two doubles in a scrimmage and, you know, had the, had the sort of pop that he showed last year when he hit the two home runs in the game against Stephen F. Austin. So, um, and the home run in Omaha in 2019 against, against mm-hmm. Arkansas yeah. and so you know um, you know George said and it's the challenge every player has who's going to stream together what take the next step you know all of these guys really from Morrell um, you know up through Stillwell I think um, I, I, I've tallied up the most career at bats from all of these guys and all of them Morrell is close to 300 just short of 300 and I think Stillwell was a little bit over 400 of all, of all the returners on this team in terms of division one at bats. And so, you know, you look at those guys and go, well, they've all got, they've all got some hair on their bellies in terms of having played a bunch and, you know, should, should have the sort of division one experience that would allow them to settle in and be comfortable. On the other hand, in the cases of guys where there's been, 
you know, where they haven't necessarily been highly productive, do you look at them and go, well, they've never really done it on a, on a, you know, on a premium high end stage yet at a high level throughout a season. So can they do it? Uh, and, and, you know, you got to like the fact that you got a bunch of seniors that are good athletes and veterans that have, that have been on the biggest stages because that would, I would think would sort of set itself up for guys that are ready to string together good things for an entire year. I feel like I need to cue a Moneyball quote. Why do I like him? Because he gets on base. Yeah, that's if they're getting on base, that means they're not making outs. I mean, that's, that's yeah, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, and that's that's a big deal, obviously. George, any final position player thoughts before we switch to pitchers? Well, I think one of the the interesting sub storylines that I'm going to kind of be watching is that you know a few years ago it was kind of explained to me you, you kind of want to have a freshman junior team you want to have juniors leading the way you want to have freshmen that are that can come in and play and kind of be be the next guys that that'll carry you for the next two or three years and so last year you really only had one really freshman position player on the roster and that was drew woodcox and he's gone he's now at rice so you really don't have any any of those guys that are sophomores now but you've got four or five guys on this year's roster between Loudon Brooks, uh, you know, you know, Brome, uh, you know, Reynolds, uh, you know, guys like that, that, you know, Hudson White, that I think that I'm going to really kind of keep an eye on to see if any of those guys kind of take off and kind of set the foundation to not only, you know, help this team this year, but kind of be start to set their, uh, you know, establish themselves as maybe the guys of the future. That's kind of one of the things I'm going to look at. If that can happen, I think this team really has a great chance to take off because that just strings out your lineup. It strings out your roster and gives you incredible depth up and down the lineup. All right, let's switch to some arms here, boys, as we're, we're closing in on an hour that we've been recording. We talked a little bit before we started the episode though. So we got some time to play with here. <laughs> So if anybody's like it, it's a podcast. It can be as long as we want. It'll be as long as people are willing to listen to, I guess. They can fast Uh, forward too. Yeah, there you go. Fast forward through the parts where I talk and listen to these two. (laughs) So if anybody was, you know, the the fans paying attention, you kind of see names pop up when transfers happen. We talked about the position players. So as far as the pitchers go, you probably heard about Andrew Morris. He's a right-hander out of Colorado Mesa, was likened from the right-handed side, likened a lot to – Patrick Monteverdi, as far as the situation that he's coming into at Tech and the experience he has and the level he's been at. Garrett Crowley, a guy originally from Queens that came in from Fordham, is a lefty. And then you also had Colin Clark, a fifth-year senior, originally from Ohio, again, that's coming in out of Youngstown State. And so you had those walk in, but I want to start with talking about pitchers with a story that maybe didn't get enough notice as it should have. Brandon Birdsell, Uh, was drafted in the 11th round, 339th pick overall by the Twins, and he's back at Texas Tech. And I think he had unfinished business. He had the injury. Bertzel's a 6'2", 240-pound junior. Do you feel like Bertzel is going to be the anchor of this starting rotation uh, once again this year, walking in and healthy? Well, he sure was before the injury last year. Uh, Once he – you know, he, he scuffled the, in Arlington last year on this opening weekend, but once he settled in and got going, he was as good as anybody on Friday night. And, uh, you know, stretches of dominance and, and look like the kind of high, high round pick that wouldn't be here right now, to be quite honest, were he, were he to have stayed healthy. 
And, um, you know, I think the only reason he's here right now is because of that injury. Um, you know, he, he sets up to be the anchor of this pitching staff. I don't think there's, uh, much mystery about that. Now it's just yep. an opportunity for him to stay healthy throughout and, uh, and, and just perform and go get him because, you know, he, he, he threw an inning or two against the Rangers. And I'm really talking about that just because it was a televised scrimmage and sort of a, a highlight. A lot of times like the red black, the red black series can be that he threw an inning or two and was just blowing hitters away and looked dominant. Um, you know, and I, I would assume he'll be a weekend starter and maybe, you know, the Friday night guy this, this, you know, here and here later on this week, but uh, boy, what a, what a piece to have at the top of the rotation and a, a veteran, veteran proven arm like that. And, and for him, I think uh, the opportunity to establish his health, carry it out through a year will set him up to be in a really good spot professionally. George, Brandon Birdsell. Yeah. I mean, what you're seeing. Yeah. So far, I mean, yeah, obviously, you know, you get later in the fall and, and you're trying to build innings and, and things happen and, and hitters are your own hitters are starting to figure you're out. And so you might get hit a little bit, but uh, you know I've seen nothing from Brandon Birdsell that that makes me think he's going to be anything other than your Friday night ace at least at this point in the season. Uh, you know now maybe you might switch him around depending on how well Morris does, depending on your your pitching philosophy. You know a lot of a lot of coaches will put their ace on Saturday because your Saturday game is your pivotal game. Either you're trying to avoid losing a series or you're trying to win a series at that point. So you, some some. Pitching coaches, some coaches will want their their best guy on a Saturday, but right now, uh, I I see nothing that tells me that Brandon Birdsell is not your Friday night guy, and that uh, that that Andrew Morris is not your Saturday guy. Andrew Morris, I've been very impressed with. Uh, you know, he comes out. You know, he's got a he's got a real overhand delivery, but he really attacks the zone with about three or four pitches that are really really quality pitches, and and. You know, even has the the best hitters on the team. You know, shaking their heads at it sometimes. So, uh, if you've got those two, if they can perform to the level that that we've seen and, and that everybody thinks they can perform, then you've got a one-two punch that will go out there and win you a lot of series and a lot of games this year. So, talk about Birdsell, talk about Morris, and then a couple of guys I haven't mentioned that are still on this team. And Austin Becker's one of them, six five, two fifteen, righty. Another Ohio guy came by way of Vanderbilt. It's his third year at Tech but fans may have forgotten about him a little bit because we didn't see him after an injury. And so Becker back and pitching again, and then Brandon Beckel, another one in his second year, originally out of San Antonio, a 6'3", guy that's that's been around the program a little bit now and and uh, maybe looking to take a step forward to think if he can get things put together. But is the next pitcher that we need to talk about a guy that we should be saying that knock on wood that he's back? Well, I think I think Chase Hampton will be a ha, have a, a prominent role. Hampton's been, uh, you know, he, he finished last year as a Friday guy, won the Army game, won a Big Twelve starter too, right at the very end, uh, and uh, you know pitched in Cape Cod last summer, which is a, a, a you know a, a, a it's a nice thing to have on a resume after after the freshman year, and so he as a result he didn't pitch a lot in the fall, at least not in front not to hitters in front of us three watching a lot. Um, but he's been out there recently, you know, here in January and it's a, a proven arm, proven weekend arm. And, you know, to, to me, he appears like he's headed for that Sunday role. 
one of the guys that one of the new guys that I've been impressed by that I think will factor in it. And one thing that's really tough to do, and you know, may, maybe in a lot of ways, but certainly with the way Coach Gardner and Coach Tadlock will will use will use their pitchers is to really know who's going to have maybe some higher leverage, higher inning total totals out of the bullpen versus to be a uh, a um, Tuesday midweek starter. And, you know, Mason Molina is a freshman out of California that's been really good and appears to be one of those guys that's going to carry an innings load, whether that's as a Tuesday starter or to be one of those guys that comes in in the fifth, sixth inning, certainly this weekend because I think most – most of these teams are going to be using pitchers with a little bit lighter pitch counts. Um, <clears throat> this is often the case early in the season, but uh, you know he—he's uh, you know I, I think Becker will carry an innings role. Uh, you mentioned Colin Clark as one of the the, the transfers, the Division One transfers. <clears throat> Got an interesting resume because he's pitched. You know he's been a Friday starter and a weekend guy at Youngstown State, but is here now probably. Um, uh, you know, has a, a better left-hander career-wise, appears to be a strike thrower throughout. Even though he's got some high ERAs, but uh, I suspect that in shorter bursts, he's going to be pretty effective. And uh, you know, a guy that carries some innings out of the pen, and um, you know, good-looking tall left-hander that those strikes. And you know, sometimes when, when he's sharp, he'll be that guy that goes out there and has a seven-pitch inning that's that's over in in a minute. You know, just boom, boom, boom. But uh, I, you know, there, there's really a bunch of pieces, and 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 the bullpen's another area of, of of a little bit of uncertainty. Just when we think about this pitching staff, and again, go back to our original point about how do you pick this team? Are they four or twenty four in the country? And and a lot of it is you don't see you don't see you know a, a returning dude that's been nasty. I think the exception or the biggest cause for excitement it was was. Perhaps the biggest disappointment last year was Andrew Devine. You know, where he was 2020, dynamic out of the bullpen as a freshman. Last year really struggled. Uh, they've, they've, you know, appear to have tweaked an arm slot. Um, he's throwing a good changeup now. And I think in the five January slash February outings uh, that, that he's in which he's appeared in these inner squads, I think he's been scored on once. And so if he's back to being 2020, Andrew Devine, um, it it really changes the complexion of this pitching staff and the roles settle in in a nice way. And, uh, you know, it's it's uh, I mean, that's that's a reason for giddiness. George, are you Andrew Devine giddy? <laughs> I got Andrew Devine giddy last year, and 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 I was the curse of the team. So I don't yeah, know if no I'm doubt. if I'm going to be giddy, but you know, but I, to agree with Gus, I mean, he's looked more like the 2020 Andrew Devine uh, that that we know and that you know that went out as a freshman and and shut Florida State down in the ninth to win you know to win that series. So uh, that's that's obviously a good sign. But I, I think you've got some other, you know, fairly proven commodities, guys that we've seen go out and do it. They just got to repeat it on a, on a consistent basis. Uh, you know, guys like a, a Brendan Gurton, you know, that you, I think you know, is a, has the potential to take a huge leap, leap this year uh, with his size and with his, uh, you know, the, the way he throws the baseball. You've got a, you know, got a proven, uh, you know, commodity that, that I don't think this time last year we would have thought would be a proven commodity 
in a Derek Bridges from a left side. If, if you've got a Bridges from a left side and Andrew Devine from a right side that you can close a weekend down, that you can close games with on a weekend, you've got two guys there that, that are really good and give you a chance to shut down and, and close out, you know, all three games of a series in a weekend. Uh, and then you've got a guy that, you know, has a potential, I think, in Josh Sanders, uh, you know, the sidearm guy that's a little bit of a Taylor Floyd guy. Maybe not, you know, as 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 has quite the movement that Taylor Floyd has, but you know, has looked really good. And then I think you've got, you know, two or three, three or four, uh, you know, of the new guys uh, that that can come in and 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 really establish themselves, uh, you know, in the bullpen. You know, I think a guy that we've all been impressed with, one of the new guys, is, is a freshman out of Poolville named Trendon Parrish. A uh, guy has come in and just really attacks the zone with about three or four good pitches. So I, you know. I, the the pitching I think going into the into the fall I think was more of a known commodity uh you know th- than the offense and I don't think that you know th- there's been anything that has, has told us different but I think it, it it might not be as big a gap between pitching and and, and offense as as we might have thought so you know I you know there there's there, I think this team has really the qual- the the chance to have some really good quality depth both in the rotation and in the bullpen this year. I, I, I would amplify the trend in Paris thing. I'm glad you got to that. He uh, appears to be, uh, you know, he, he's interesting. It appears that he'll be a lever, an innings guy that carries a key role, weekend role on, uh, you know, out of the, out of the pen, but he could also be a Tuesday guy. Uh, it, it just feels like to me that his, his role as a freshman, at least at this point is, uh, you know, to, to have some leverage innings and cause that, that dude comes in with some heavy sink and, uh, you know, he, he can use the change over some breaking stuff, but that, you know, there was apparently some draft talk for him and it shows a uh, boy. He's, he's, uh, you know, I think he's got a chance to be a dynamic freshman and to carry a, a big role. Cause that stuff is, that stuff is different. No doubt. And I'll mention one other guy that we've seen a couple times, you guys a little bit more than me, in Garrett Crowley. The, and I mentioned him earlier, the Fordham transfer, 6'3", 220. He's a lefty. George and I saw him just really salty, attacking the zone, had that kind of nasty attitude. You guys saw him with a little bit of struggle uh, later on. And so we'll see. You know, that's that's. I'm not saying he's a proven commodity, yeah. but a guy that we'll see what he's able to come out and do. And um, I just think there's, and I agree, there's just a lot of pieces and a lot of opportunity, uh, and there's a lot of guys that could take some nice steps, and and the depth is there, you know. And so when you really dig into the team, while there's question marks, the pieces seem to be around. It's just how they're going to get put together, how they're going to step up, and what the health is going to look like. And I did want to go back to Mason Molina, and it has nothing to do with playing baseball. He's a guy that is made for a big league PA guy to call out of the bullpen. Because, I mean, seriously, seriously, out of Trabuco Hills High School, Rancho Santa Margarita, California. I mean, like, that's fantastic. That's I want to hear that happen. I love it. So now we, we all know Rick, and we know he'll fumble that a couple of times, though. <laughs> well, I fumbled it, so, I mean, that's fine. I started things off talking about who'd gone pro. I do want to mention the names that are gone and that, that – Fans will be looking for looking at wondering, hey, what happened to him? Why aren't you talking about him? So you mentioned Drew Woodcox. He's at Rice now. Mentioned Nate Romback. He's at Dallas Baptist now. Levi Wells moved on to Texas State. We saw him pitch a little bit. Jackson Cobb has gone on to Crowder College. We never really got to see him. Max Marshock has gone to Louisiana. 
Braden Runyon is in Albuquerque now at the University of New Mexico. And then, of course, Micah Dallas moved on to Texas A&M, where I think he felt like he probably had a shot at a at a rotation spot versus where he was kind of bouncing back and forth in the bullpen at Texas Tech. And so good luck to him. Well, and, and some of the A&M message boards kind of, kind of I guess, from the, the people that go to watch their scrimmage like us, Kind of, kind of think that he's gonna. He might even be their Friday guy. So you know, starting out this season, they they think he's gonna be in the in the rotation. Well, he was in the hype video, so yeah. we did yeah. see that. <laughs> so, guys, I'm trying to think about how to how to wrap this thing up, and and I think that we probably need to look ahead to the weekend. We're recording this on Tuesday night, and we've got the State Farm College Baseball Showdown coming up this weekend. We'll be there watching that, and um, there's. A few interesting storylines, and and we're going to meet some guys throughout the season that were former Red Raiders, and one of those being uh, at Rice, and then in, in Drew Woodcox. But another one you'll see this weekend uh, when you face Arizona, because Tanner Trimba is still on that team, and a guy that had a pretty good season for them last year, and played in the postseason a fair amount. And so, what are you seeing? And, and we can bounce around here. What are we seeing? We don't have to go in order or anything, but. Thinking about these three teams that the Red Raiders will be facing this weekend, what what is there to expect, and what's the pedigree? Sure, yeah, and that's it's it, you know there's a lot of uncertainties. Michigan was an NCAA tournament team last year, uh, and so and we really with and all three of these teams have been to Omaha with us or since we have, uh, you know, us and Auburn were there in 2019, um, um, and and Michigan of course, and then uh, Arizona was there last year. Now the the narratives have changed for some of these teams. I think Michigan, you know, Michigan coming off a decent season last year, uh, they lost a couple of their key arms and key performers. Um, you know, which you they'll they'll all look at us and say the same thing. But uh, you know, Auburn was down a little bit, and they lost. It appears, you know, some really important pieces on that ball club, and so. Uh, you know, they're, they're going to have some guys that, uh, you know, they're, they're in a little bit of an uncertain role there because they, they weren't, they're in that brutal SEC West um, and, and you know, kind of took it on the chin last year and, and they're picked down again this year. Um, you know, they'll go in there with something to prove. Then Arizona, obviously, uh, in Omaha last year uh, with with a guy that's listed right there with Jace and Jacob Berry as a Team USA and a high, high, high pick one of the top hitters in the country. He, along with his head coach at Arizona last year, moved on to LSU um, this year. And, um, you know, so so Arizona with the new coach and, uh, you know, really, really took some hits talent-wise. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they have. Now, one thing we know, they've got a, a really, really good closer. And so you don't want to play from behind against those guys because, you know, depending on – lists and ratings and how much you trust that stuff, you know, one of the top four or five closers in the country. And so uh, the Arizona will also have, there's actually three first rounders, projected first rounders. If you look at baseball, America's mock draft, uh, three, three projected first rounders in this uh, classic this weekend, obviously Jace Young at tech and then um, the the Oklahoma third baseman and then uh, Arizona catcher. Uh, Daniel Susak, and so the, the Arizona Arizona game this weekend uh, will will feature a really good catcher on the other side and a closer that you hope you don't have to contend with. What are you seeing, George, for this weekend? Anybody, anything else to add? Yeah, it's 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 a it's a good solid test for I think for a lot of teams 
that are either like rebuilding or restacking or you know reloading, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, you know, I was listening to a podcast today with, with the Auburn head coach, and he's really excited, Butch Thompson, about his squad. He thinks that they'll be able to get back to close to what they were uh, you know, 2019, you know, he, he also mentioned, you know, the two other big 12 teams that are going to be there in Kansas state and Oklahoma, you know, Oklahoma lost a lot from last year. So they've got to do some rebuilding. Now I think you mentioned Kansas state has like 16 transfers that are going to be on their roster. So they're kind of rebuilding a little bit, uh, kind of like tech is kind of like Auburn is kind of like Michigan will be, uh, you know, the, the thing is, I don't see any team right now in that tournament that has a, a, a true, proven season long bona fide number one starter. You've got a lot of guys that were like seven and four with a with a three ERA or like a Brandon Birdsell or you know something like that, but you, you, there's nobody really that, you know, is on like the the you know the so called watch list or is or is or anything like that. So I think you've got six teams out there that are really kind of, you know, all looking for some for a lot of answers in 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 one way or the other. Absolutely. And I don't have a lot to add as far as looking ahead to the weekend. I do want to mention the schedule real quick. Tech's playing Michigan on Friday night, 7 o'clock. Auburn, it's Saturday at 3, so you can catch the uh, basketball game against Texas and then turn around and watch some good baseball. And then Arizona on Sunday at 2.30. I do have bad news for those listening. If you're not aware, it's not going to be on any ESPN networks or ESPN+. Plus. This is on Flow Baseball. So one of those deals you have to go and buy the one month subscription in the past that's been about 30 bucks something like that to get the one month and then you can watch the weekend. So you're paying 10 bucks a game but you do get to watch the Red Raiders in their opening weekend at a, a big league ballpark. So not a terrible deal but I'll you know let the lamenting begin on Twitter as far as the quality of the call and all that but you can of course catch Gus and Jamie on the uh, radio call there uh, on this weekend as well and as we wrap it up, fellas, I want to ask you for you to pick your guys a, a little bit here, and, and I'm not saying set the whole lineup, but who's a returner that you're looking to take a big step forward quickly, and and who's your new guy that you're you're looking to kind of be the breakout? Um, new guy Hudson White, um, returner. It's it's it's. I'm going to skip past Kurt Wilson because I I don't I think he. You know, I don't think he needs to break out. I think he just needs to be as good as he was last year and stay healthy. Um, how about um, how about in that regard? I put Morell in there because I think if uh, I think I think Easton, if if there's a little breakout there, it solidifies a lot of things. It solidifies a key spot in the lineup and a key role on a on a, on a corner somewhere, and uh, you know, create some more left right balance. And you know, he, he's a key returner. You know who I like, what I like about Morrell, and, and you don't get to see it, you know, so much in the game, but he's a guy with fire in his belly. He's kind of a yep. salty dude. You know, he's yep. a, he's a, he's an angry competitor. And I think that I like that about a guy. I like that in a player. We've had plenty of those that you may not know it just watching, but uh, when you kind of are around enough to hear him a little bit, you know how they approach the game. And, and I like that about him. I think he brings some fire. Who you got, George? Well, I, for my for my returning guy, I, I'm going to pick. I'm going to kind of go opposite of Gus. I'm going to go on the pitching side. I'm going to go with Brendan Gurton. I mentioned him earlier. I think he's got the 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 talent and the ability to take a huge step forward and be an innings eater for this team. Whether that's on the back end, whether that's on you know a spot start on a Tuesday, whether that's middle relief, I think he's got you know the, what it takes to kind of be 
that guy that can that can serve in so many roles. He can be a bridge guy. He could be a you know front end guy. He could be a back end guy. So I'm going to look for uh, for Brendan Gurton as my veteran. And for for my newcomer, I'm I'm going to go back and and stay on the mound. And I'm going to go with Trendon Parrish. I think he can kind of be the same thing. I think he can he can fill so many roles for you with you know with the quality stuff that he has. Uh, wouldn't surprise me to surprise me to see him starting at some point. Wouldn't surprise me to see him on the back end at some point. So I'm, you know, it it all starts with pitching, and and so I'm going to go with those two guys right there. Well, I'll uh, I'll split it. I think I think as far as a comeback guy, I'm going to take a a page out of George's book, and George has <laughs> taken plenty for picking him. I'm going to take Andrew Devine. I mean, we've seen some really good stuff, and I think there was some mechanic stuff last year, and I think he probably got the yips a little bit too, and. And you saw it, you know, on national TV or at least stream TV, and it was hard to watch. But we've seen some good stuff out of him. I think there's a real chance for him to take a big step forward and be a really important piece out of the pen. And then, um, well, I was going to take Kurt Wilson, and then Gus shamed me out of it. But uh, <laughs> I, you know, I'll, I'll I'll go with my guy Vuletic. I think that maybe you see the role increase as the season goes along, and once he's seen a little bit more pitching, there may be an opportunity for him to to pop forward and and be a guy, you know, and I'm not likening him physically to uh, to uh, other DHs that Tech has had in the past, but you definitely had JUCO transfers that have found their stride later in the season and or, you know mid season and have really owned a spot. And I think he's a guy that could do that. Defensive is the question. I think the DH spot is is up for grabs from a lot of dudes, and I think he could be in the mix. Yeah, I I just couldn't lay my curse on Divine two years in a row. You know, you know, <laughs> you know. Funny story. You know, when I was still covering the team back in two thousand one, there was a shortstop uh, Tech had named Hedda Alvarez, and Hedda was having a great season, was playing great defensively, and I I did a feature story on him for the paper going into a series I think against Kansas State uh, about how well he was playing defensively. And Greg Evans, who was the assistant coach at the time, was was mad at me because he said I just laid a curse on him. And sure enough, he went out Friday and had three errors. So you know, I, I just couldn't do that to Divine <laughs> two years in a row. I'm sorry. Very good. Well, fellas, I appreciate it. Y'all have any parting shots you want to lay on the folks? And hopefully, what they're doing is listen to this as they drive to Arlington to watch some baseball this weekend. But any thoughts to leave us with? No, I, I don't have any. I'm I'm you know just. Excited to get going. I'm giddy to get this thing going, and just as we always are at this point, and uh, you know, it, the, the off season always feels long, and you know, it's, it's you get into the scrimmages, and then we go break for the holidays, and you come back and do some more scrimmaging, and this thing gets gets this close, and it's just gonna be fun to see us tee it up against uh, to, against another team in another uniform, and man, I'm I'm just. Excited to be there. It's great to get to do what I get to do and broadcast these games, most certainly in in a big league stadium like this. And uh, you know what a what a tremendous opportunity it is to get to participate in this thing two years in a row. Yeah, I'm 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 just excited to get to go to Arlington this year. I didn't get to go last year because of the the freeze and the plumbing issues and all that kind of stuff. It just wasn't a good deal. So uh, you know, I avoided jury duty on Monday, so I'm good to go. Let's let's go get this thing started. Absolutely. Well, thanks, fellas. 
I'm looking forward to it as well. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun for everybody and always good to get it started. And I think that you've got a team that I've looked at, I've looked at both of you guys as we've sat in scrimmages and, and walking out to the car saying, man, I feel pretty good. Like, I mm-hmm. feel like there's plenty of talent. There's plenty of, you know, the, the question marks aren't because there's not talent. The question marks are because there's just dudes you haven't seen a whole lot yet. And, and that's going to be the fun part, seeing this team and this coaching staff figure it out. So thanks for your time, guys. Thanks for your thoughts. Looking forward to the season, and I'm sure we'll have you back on here pretty quick. But that's Dr. Mike Gustafson and George Watson, and this is the Dinger Derby Podcast. Thanks so much, y'all. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy opening day. We'll be back with a recap for you early next week. And uh, until then, we'll see you around at record. Thanks for tuning in to Dinger Derby and sharing our love for Texas Tech Red Raider baseball. You can connect with Keith on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Red Raider Dugout. And find more great tech baseball coverage at RedRaiderDugout.com. Help us out by rating us and leaving a review on iTunes. And remember to tell your friends about the show. Keith will be back soon with another episode of Dinger Derby. And until then, Wreck'em Tech. Keep your hand on your gun. Don't you trust anyone There's just one kind of man that you can trust That's a dead man or a gringo like me Be the first one to fire Every man is a liar There's just one kind of man who tells the truth That's a dead man Or a gringo like me 